Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. Welcome to the Design Freaks podcast. My name's Clarita. Hi, I'm a big old nerd and uh, I'm a graphic designer here in Seattle, like collecting records and I like talking about packaging and fonts and all that nerdy stuff. And uh, I also like talking about music. So uh, that's what I'm into. Uh, Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Uh, My guest for this episode, as you already know, is Grammy award-winning designer, illustrator, and art director, Sasha Barr. And uh, he worked with Jeff Kleinsmith, who I also got to the pleasure and the privilege of chatting with um, last year in 2022. So check out that episode as well. And in fact, Sasha and I recorded on the one-year anniversary of when I published the Jeff Kleinsmith episode. So lattice of coincidence. And if you get that reference, bonus points. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he was art director at Sub Pop for many years, from 2007. And he um, still works with them. He also has a larger full-time role with uh, Amazon Web Services. I believe that's what it stands for, AWS. I am so stoked about this episode. It's it's so awesome. I feel like I could have talked to him forever. He has so much to say he should teach or at least have a podcast, in my opinion. Um, And I just want to say also that I really appreciate everyone listening. I did an episode about the design for the original Three Feet High and Rising release by De La Soul back in 1989. I heard back from some folks and I, I love that kind of interaction. The art director for Three Feet High and Rising was Toby Mott of the Gray Organization, um, he was also responsible for the Biz Marquee puppet from the Master Ace video, Me and the Biz. Now, in the episode, I was like, I wonder where the puppet is. Well, people solve the mystery because you're all amazing. I have the coolest listeners ever. The puppet belongs to Brent Rollins, apparently, from uh, Ego Trip Magazine. Clearly was not paying attention, but thank you to DJ Hudson from Instagram and D Escalade on YouTube for letting me know. I also found like a really amazing montage of like everybody who'd gone to uh, Ego Trip headquarters and posed with the puppet. Uh, Everyone, uh, every hip hop star. And uh, it's pretty cool. Link that off in the show notes so you can take a look. And yes, the puppet was looking a little banged up. Um, Aren't we all? So um Oh, something I failed to mention in that episode. Um, I actually met Mastace once in the 90s. 
Uh, he was playing a show in Austin, where I'm from, Austin, Texas. When it was weird. Uh, and he was doing like a pre-show meet and greet autograph signing at Blondie's Skate Shop. And I got to meet him and shake his hand. Don't remember much except him and his entourage were like the coolest looking people I'd ever seen. And I've never felt dorkier in my life, in my little Dickies shorts, probably. Anyway, um, speaking of skate shops, see, that's why I told that story. Um, Speaking of skate shops, um, like I said, my guest today is the amazing Sasha Barr. He is uh, a skateboarder for life and a champion of skate shops and... Chances are you've seen his work. Uh, He was art director at Sub Pop. Like I said, he designed tons of records for them. We talk about his art background, uh, his fascinating family, their connection to Big Star. Pretty incredible. Um, So stoked on this interview. So appreciative. Very inspiring. Um, We also talk about his Grammy win. And I just want to clear something up. (laughs) When I was editing, I was like, wait a minute now. I... I just want to say, I am not surprised that Sasha and his team won the Grammy. Um, When we were talking about this stuff, I was empathizing and put myself into his position and was like, there's no way I'll win. So I sounded incredulous, but um, it's only because I was projecting onto him. So well-deserved. And uh You'll hear the stories behind both of those Grammy nominations and everything. Anyway, if you like the show, please rate, review, subscribe and all that. Share it with folks. Comment for the algorithms, you know. And uh, yeah, I'm at underscore Design Freaks Podcast on Instagram. You can find my link tree there. Uh, Get some merch. There's some tote bags, mugs and stickers and stuff. Really cute stickers. But I also have these. I have a ton of these old ones that are free. So if you want, um, send me, DM me your address and I'll, I'll send you some and some other random things from around my apartment. Um, for more music related podcasts, check out ruinousmedia.com and, uh, enjoy. Hi, Sasha. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. Great to meet you. Um, How are you? (laughs) Good. It's a beautiful sunny day in Seattle. Unseasonable, uh, I would say, for this time of the year. But it's nice. Um, We're uh, recording from my basement, my Ballard basement office Um, Uh right off screen is our is our furnace um Uh and a ton of clutter but this has been home (laughs) for the last last couple of years since we started everyone kind of started working from home more regularly so my relationship with sub pop is something that um i'll probably never not have in some capacity you know um but i i switched out of being a full-time uh art director there actually about uh, about a year ago um, so anyway, yeah, so. I heard you were, you had, um, a different role nowadays. Um, for a long okay. time you were, um, uh, art director. Is that right? Senior art director. Senior art director. Yeah. Sorry. That's <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Uh, titles, titles are, are, um, 
you know, ambivalent, I feel like these days. But I yeah, I was the quote unquote senior art director. And then now I like to say I'm like part time or contract senior art director. Okay. <laughs> um, That's right. But yeah, I, I've been with them, have been with them since 2007 is when I like kind of started filling in for one of the other uh, creatives, Dusty Summers. And then I probably mm-hmm. started, was hired, I think, in like January of. 2008. Okay. Um, it's quite so a long I've had time. a long relation, not as long as like Jeff or some of the other folks that have been there for many decades, but um, it has gone by awfully fast for me. And yeah, it's been a long time. Um, that was a great era for music. You've done a lot of awesome records, in my opinion. Um, you know, obviously the people at Sub Pop are incredible, and that was um, a dream job. And still is um and that's why i think i'll always have a relationship with them i think i just had been doing just that one thing for so long and didn't want to like totally leave it behind um and they were kind enough to like be understanding and open to all kinds of ideas and arrangements and i just wanted to kind of see what else was out there and we live in this city of um a lot of tech companies and yeah. AWS wasn't uh, actually something wasn't what, what I was pursuing at first, but it's kind of like where I ended up and um, the eight, nine months I've been there have flown by and um, it's been great. I work with a, a whole lot of really awesome people and um, I'm on a really great team. Um, and it's been a fun learning experience just to do something completely and totally different from working in music or um like in an entertainment industry sort of thing. Um, right. It's, you know, it, it is, uh, I don't know if I would recommend having, you know, freelance work and multiple jobs. And uh, I also like help run a skate shop in West Seattle. Like, you know, I, I'm someone that stays busy, I would say. I don't know if I would recommend it for everyone. It's not, it may not be sustainable, yeah. but it's the life that I've kind of like created for myself. Um We'll see. We don't, you know, my, my partner and I are, we're dog parents. We don't have children. Um, yeah. Not that that's an excuse to spend all of your waking hours doing stuff, but um, <laughs> that's just kind of the way that I've always been wired. Um, right. So, yeah. yeah. Stay bu- staying busy. <laughs> and I get what yeah. you're saying about being in Seattle and taking advantage of where we are and all of the industry around us. And there, that you're, the team you're on with AWS is lucky to have you. You're probably like Thanks. the rock star. <laughs> no, I mean, the funny thing is that I was part of this kind of headcount ad, for lack of a better term, um, over the past year where they were really actually seeking out, uh, purposefully like seeking out creatives that maybe weren't from the tech world or had yeah. different backgrounds. And so I, that's now like the sort of team of people that I'm on. Um, and I think I'm really fortunate to work with a whole bunch of really talented people. And we're also all kind of like figuring it out as we go mm-hmm. together, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel fortunate and it's a, an opportunity and um, an experience and, yeah, you know, I don't know. I figured it was worth a shot. Everybody so, wants an um, illustrator, like a badass illustrator. Cause not everybody can do sure. that. You know, that's a, that's quite a skill well, <laughs> yeah sure i feel like there's more and more of that as uh, technology 
get uh, oh, more yeah. uh, user friendly and everyone's got iPads now and whatever. I definitely, everyone's talented. What about, as, what as if, I like to say, what about AI? Has anyone like spoofed your work yet with that? No, no, I know. No one knows. I don't think anyone knows me that well. Um, <laughs> no, but that stuff is really interesting. I have seen like, you know, um, stuff that's been created using it and it's pretty wild. And I don't see, I can't see any reason why, let's say potential clients or industries wouldn't use it for stuff. And that's, mm-hmm. I think is creates an interesting wrinkle, but mm-hmm. it's out of our control at this point. I so know, right? We'll just have to see what happens. You know? Yeah. Your, your work is so precise though. Like it doesn't really lend itself to that style. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah. I would say most <laughs> of the AI art I've seen is more like uh, photorealistic or, painterly or something like that you see less like vector art or um graphic stuff i think so far but that doesn't mean it won't happen um, i know don't give them any ideas sasha please <laughs> i mean whatever <laughs> no it's coming um so i saw speaking of your new role i saw a huge banner online that looks super awesome it's downtown seattle it's also on a skate deck um was that oh, something for yeah, yeah. work that you repurposed or was it? No, no, no. That so that's you're talking. It's a big, uh, it's a large mural. It's yeah. like a, a a banner treatment on actually one of the Amazon buildings in downtown Seattle. It's at uh-huh. six in Virginia, um, next to the Sphere. It's a, the building is called Doppler, and it's just like I can't remember how tall it is. Sixty feet mm-hmm. tall um, graphic, and that that was actually a project that um, I started talking with someone at Amazon about in like 2019, I would say. And it took about a year for it to actually come together and, and uh, be installed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's actually unrelated to the to the role I have now. That was just something I did oh, as cool. a freelance artist. Um, and yeah, I ended up using it. Uh, 35th North is a local skate shop here in Seattle that uh, a good friend of mine runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always su- supplied art and helped them with like deck graphics or shirts mm-hmm. or art shows or whatever it is. Great shop. Um, yeah, fantastic. He's been around over 20 years now. Um, and yeah, we use the art on on one of the decks that we had uh, as a shop deck for a little while, because why not? Yeah. Um, How does yeah. it feel to see your work at that huge scale? Is it weird? <laughs> it's a trip. Oh, yeah. super weird. It's a trip, though. Yeah. I mean, I definitely go downtown less than I used to because I work from home, but when I do... I am often in that part of downtown and it's a trip to see it because it's so large. Um, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. I mean, mural, mural stuff is cool to see, you know, I'm, I'm by no means like the person with the most stuff in town or anything like that. Uh, shout out Stevie show. Um, mm-hmm. Who's killing it right now. For sure. Um, but the few things I am fortunate enough to have, like, it's cool to see. It's always a trip. You know, it's cool to see stuff on a, on a big format like that. Um, that project originally, um, we were planning on, I was going to actually paint it and we were trying to devise some way to paint this giant, uh, what did I say? 60 feet yeah. tall thing, Jesus. um, <laughs> on tiles and we were going to install it. And in the back of my mind, I was just like, oh, I'm sure I can figure this out. Like it won't be that bad. Um, but I'm super glad that we pivoted at the end to mm-hmm. like having somebody else print it and install it. Cause I'll be honest, like doing mural work is exhausting um, and it, it'll, it'll wreck my old I body. Bet. Um, Even just the math of like, you know, tiling it all <laughs> just 
Awesome. I honestly don't know how people do it at that mm-hmm. size. Um, most of the stuff I've done, I'll either project it or yeah. do something with stencils or whatever. But mm-hmm. the people that can do those large scale mural things are it's incredible. It is incredible. Um, you have yeah. to have, for me, it, it's like going from 2D to 3D or something, like scaling up like that. You just have to think differently. I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I'm used yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then I, I'm also yeah. seeing, um, this is another different format. I don't know if you've done neon <laughs> before, but I love the neon mm. sign you just designed. No, it's pretty that's cool. the first. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, super I, fun. I hope run, uh, yeah, thanks. I'm stoked on it. Um, I help run uh, a skate shop in West Seattle with uh, my friend, the aforementioned Tony that runs 35th North. Mm-hmm. We have a, a second skate shop uh, on California in West Seattle called By and By that mm-hmm. we opened a little over a year ago. And so I help with graphics and branding and the mm-hmm. making of things in general. Um, and yeah, I wanted a neon sign. So it's it's LED neon. It's not real yeah. neon because um, wow. that, that was out of out of budget. But the LED neon stuff is pretty common, yeah. I found these days. And um, yeah, I ordered one. It's it looks, pretty sick. It's pretty it cool to see. cool. Yeah. Now I want to yeah. see all your work like that. I mean, it looks <laughs> so natural to be I do, in neon I form. I do too. <laughs> yeah, it works. I wish it was cheaper. Um, but yeah. it's something I'll definitely look into doing more. Yeah, maybe um, you could collab with a neon artist or something. Um, I do know a couple. Actually. Ooh. So what can I ask you, what is that phrase by and by? I mean, it's like an old timey phrase. Or like, do you know what that means? I do. Um, so the fellow uh, I opened the shop with, um, he lives down in Burien now, but lived in West Seattle for a long time. Uh, I'm actually, I'm in Ballard, which I think I mentioned before. Um, and the store is kind of his brainchild. Um, but by and by is a, translation i guess of alki um which also translates into like after a while um, oh. so we put after a while on things sometimes um okay. so it's by. kind of like it's, it's kind of like if you looked up like what's the definition of the word alki it'll say like by and by <gasps> after a while oh, um, wow. yeah and so it's that tie to alki which is not that far from where we are um yeah. so and very, it's cool very cool yeah regional connection yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny to see the people that come into the store because obviously a lot of people in west seattle uh will come in and the pe- there's a number of people that know it and they'll mm-hmm. they always comment on it um which is, which is pretty cool oh that's yeah. rad yeah the alki yeah. people know it huh <laughs> yeah um fun. so another thing i'm seeing um and then i'll i'll go into some different questions <laughs> in a second but um, I noticed your graphic for this going back to Sub Pop, the Sub Pop Loser Scholarship. It's the 17th year. Um, that is amazing. I've never heard of another label doing that. Yeah, they give away annually. I think it's end up choosing three people, a total of uh, $18,000 for uh, high school students that are going into college that are interested in or already working in or planning on studying any kind of art stuff mm-hmm. so um anything that means to you so you'll have like folks that do video stuff or writing or traditional like fine art mm-hmm. whatever it is um applicants in washington and oregon so it's pretty cool um Very cool yeah like tons of people will submit um and then a bunch of small committee at some pop will kind of go through all of it 
Um, They're always inspiring stories and super cool. Very cool. Um, And yeah, Yeah, I don't know if this is going to come out by the March 21st deadline, but it happens every year. So something worth mentioning, I think. Um, So let's take a little rewind back to um, uh, child Sasha, your creative origins. Um, I assume that you grew up skateboarding. Um, I did. I skated in the nineties and that really sparked my interest in graphic design because there's so many graphics, the decks, the t-shirts, all that stuff. Um, is that where it came from or can you pinpoint that? And did you, what was your creative origin like? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I actually come from art family. My parents were both art students. Um, my dad was a college professor up until he retired. Um, some, when my parents had me, um, they were actually both still in graduate school, um, at Memphis state university, just now the university of Memphis in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, my mom was a printmaking student and my dad was a ceramic student. Mm. Um, my dad ended up teaching ceramics for a number of years, um, both at the Memphis College of Art and then at Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that, he actually taught digital animation, um, computer graphics, um, and kind of like, yeah, CGI stuff for the rest of his career. Um, My mom didn't end up doing art stuff as a career. She actually got into like finance. um, And medical industry which was a big thing in nashville where i I grew up grew up um but they both have always continued to do stuff like they're both makers my dad always did ceramics at home uh my mom was way into like weaving and knitting Mm -hmm. spinning wool that kind of stuff so i come from just like arty crafty people um so I'm, i'm very fortunate in that regard so like yeah art and stuff has always been a thing in the house, you know, there's pictures of me as a small child, just like screwing around with paint or whatever. Um, so obviously that was like, I mean, I think my parents were, I think my parents would have been supportive and whatever it was I wanted to do. So I'm very mm-hmm. thankful for that, but it just so happened. I wanted to do art stuff, which, um, they were obviously very supportive of, um, wow. my, my high school in, uh, Murfreesboro, uh, Riverdale, um, was actually, a just a regular public school, but had a really incredible art program. We had mm-hmm. two art teachers, uh, Sharon Johnson and Maxine Gaither. Shout who, out. Uh, were, <laughs> shout out. Um, who I and a, a bunch of other people that I grew up with, going to high school with, probably owe, we owe those ladies so much. Oh, wow. um, one of whom focused on 2D art stuff, Ms. Gaither, and the other one, Ms. Johnson, focused on ceramics and building. Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty unusual for a public school and middle Tennessee to have such a robust art program, but for some reason ours did. Um, and they were a big part of my high school career. And, um, yeah, so I I had it coming at me from all ends, I would say, um, you know, growing up in high school, like I was obviously like the art stuff was what I really enjoyed doing the most. And those were the things I got good grades in and I got kind of okay grades and all the other stuff. Um, but that was really where my focus was. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of through that, like through opportunities I either got from uh, Miss Gaither or Miss Johnson or from my parents, I often did like art camps in the summer. I mean, it can't get like wow. much more ridiculous, but there were a couple like 
sleepaway camps during the summers at schools in the area where you go for a couple of weeks and like you know take drawing classes and screw around and i don't know what um yeah i kind of i don't know that's amazing it's coming at me from every direction yeah thankfully that was just a thing my parents were super supportive it was your destiny and, uh, <laughs> kind of Seems i like. mean you know yeah i mean i i always try to show uh give thanks to everyone and everything that kind of like helps me out and, mm -hmm. um i think i had to just the right supportive people and yeah um, you know any you know but i also like the the biggest thing i think that really happened was in between my junior and senior year of high school um, i actually went to a i think it was a month-long or two-month-long program at the school of visual was it concepts SVA School of Visual Arts mm -hmm. in uh, New York City, yeah, um, which was like a high school program that they had at the time, where you just go and live in New York, you mm -hmm. know, um, as a seventeen-year-old for wow. a summer and <laughs> take art classes. Yeah, super crazy. Um, but I think it was at that moment, like after after leaving that, I was just like, well, if I'm going to go to college, I feel like I should do art stuff. I would have um, gotten in so much trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thankfully I didn't. You know, I mean, I um, was as an avid skater skateboarder by that time oh, so also yeah. being in athlete. new york yeah was like um a dream come true and i mean who didn't want to be in new york city if you were interested in art or skateboarding oh, or music or whatever um yeah but, you know i think um yeah quickly after getting back from that and starting like the formal college application process um we realized very quickly that a we didn't have enough money to send me to a private art school like that and b i didn't have good enough grades to get mm -hmm. into most most uh colleges but since my dad taught in the tennessee state school system i was able to go to one of the three state schools in tennessee for mm -hmm. a reasonable rate um so i ended up actually going back to memphis to the university of memphis um and ended up actually taking like a lot of the same classes from the same teachers that my parents did. Uh, like my my dad's ceramics teacher was still there at uh, U of M. My mom's printmaking teacher was still there. Um, so it was, I was kind of like really following in their footsteps, which is which is pretty funny. Oh um, wow, that is cool. I mean, I have always envied people who, have, and my mom is artistic. Um, but yeah, to have your parents be so well rounded in art like not yeah. only are they interested in in art but like so many different f forms of it uh i love that story so you went you graduated with you got your bfa or your mfa or eventually i got a bfa uh -huh. yeah um it took me six years to get a four-year degree which is what i like to say um because <laughs> yeah same same sort of attitude i had in, in high school and college i had like I really focused on all the art stuff and kind of dragged my feet with um what do they call it general education mm. i can't even remember now but mm -hmm. you know the stuff that everyone has to do prereqs yeah just kind of yeah and kind of like took a couple of years where i really focused on like in the photo classes and then did some painting stuff and then eventually like found my way with printmaking before kind of getting a general bfa um, but at the U of M, you, you could pick like a concentration. So I have a BFA with a concentration in printmaking. Oh, um, cool. But yeah, it took me a while. I, I quickly realized too that like I, um, I don't know. I, I fortunately enough, I think I kind of started doing freelance work for 
friends of mine that were in bands, um, mm-hmm. posters and CD, you know, album album stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty early on in my college career, um, and that kind of became a real focus for a while. So I, it's not that I didn't pay attention to school because my parents might listen to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out my dad. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I just kind of took my time with it. And, and I think in the long run, like, I, I feel fortunate that I did kind of take a couple of years to focus on photo stuff. And I was awarded that opportunity to kind of play around a bit and get to do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's what school is good for, you know, just playing yeah. around and figuring out what you like. Um, did you ever yeah. think that when you were designing those first you know, DIY album covers, whatever, not yet. You were educated. You were getting an education, <laughs> but those first album covers and whatnot, did you ever think you'd win a Grammy for that? <laughs> like if no, any, if someone told no. you that back then? No, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I can't remember <laughs> if I even knew what a Grammy was. Um, <laughs> or if it would I, apply I to a art for to visual art. Cause I didn't even know that until yeah. a few years ago. <laughs> no, definitely not. I wouldn't have known. No, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, Can you speak to no, that? Not my wildest dreams. It, to that experience? Because I know it must have been crazy just to be nominated first. And then it's like, okay, that's nuts. It's not going to happen. And then you actually win. Like, did you get nominated multiple <laughs> years? Or how, what was that like? Yeah, twice. Um, I mean, I think all of us of the all, all of us in the art department at Top Hop over the years, like we're all very fortunate to be able to work with a lot of incredible bands. Um, and really get to collaborate with them on making cool stuff. Um, and a lot of them bring really great ideas to the table um, and are super fun to work with. And fortunately enough, like I kind of got paired up with Josh Tillman of Father John Misty some years ago, who was like a, a wealth of ideas and creativity. Um, and two of the two of his records uh, that we worked on together were nominated, one of which won. Um, which was cool. Um, but Josh is super creative and um, really thinks outside the box. And for both of the two packages that were nominated, we, oddly enough, like at the time kind of made some things that maybe people hadn't made before, which is, which was kind of weird. Like it, I didn't expect that to be the case, but it was kind of true. Like what? Um, well, the first, I mean, uh, the first one that was nominated uh, was uh, I Love You Honey Bear record. Uh, we actually worked with this illustrator named Stacy Rosen. Oh, yeah. Um, it's from Seattle, but now lives in LA, who did some uh, incredible watercolor illustrations for it. Um, and we put together this gatefold LP package that when you opened it up, it was like a pop up book. So her illustrations um, kind of popped out, and we embedded. Uh, midi player in it so when you opened it it would play a song kind of like the hallmark cards you know um so like nothing like really um earth shattering but i guess like at the time no one had tried to put it in a lp jacket before which is kind of fun um and presented like all kinds of you know um challenges in making it working with our um producer uh, Stoughton, who does a lot for, they do stuff for everybody. Um, but working quite closely with them on figuring out a way to make it possible. Um, wow. And the second one was really, all we really did was kind of make a top loading, like double wide LP jacket um, that was die cut. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of put the LPs in from the top as opposed to the side. Um, and it kind of 
the LPs themselves interacted with the outside jacket to kind of create this um, diorama sort of effect. Wow. Um, but it wasn't anything crazy, you know. Yeah, um, and the top, but, but, yeah. what, every time I DJ, I wish that mm-hmm. sleeves were, you yeah, know. you always turn them. Always. Right? I mean, we even do it here at home. Yeah, I always turn them, like, the opening up, for sure. And I even take yeah. the sleeve, the record and the sleeve, and put it in the plastic behind the, the cover, in between, yeah. if, if you understand, like, in between the plastic and, mm-hmm. the, and the cover, because you just want to reach in and grab, you know, I don't need to look at the back of it every time. But that yeah. is amazing. You the first pop up. You think after all these years that you did the first. Yeah, pop-up. I mean, somebody might correct me on this and feel free to for sure. But yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. Um, but it's not something like we set out to do, or that was really wasn't even really the idea. It's just kind of like what we wanted to make, and um, and it was cool. And that, so yeah, so that one was nominated, and then the second one um, was a record called Pure Comedy. We worked with an illustrator named Ed Steed, who's. Um, I want to say from the UK, but was living in New York. He used to do a lot of stuff for The New Yorker. Uh, mm-hmm. Incredible editorial illustrator. Incredible. I don't know how Josh found him. Um, maybe he reached The New Yorker. Um, <laughs> but did some re- really, really incredible illustrations. And then again, we worked with Stoughton on mm-hmm. the packaging um, and how it all worked together. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a trip for sure. It's weird. Um yeah. And there's <laughs> but it's cool what I'm thankful for, you know. I know. Yeah. I mean, great job. And there's four separate designs for that, right? There's four different covers for that one. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. one's a yeah, double record in a double wide spine. So it has two dust sleeves, one for each record. Um, and on both sides is kind of like a different background that corresponds to the art uh on the front and the back of the okay. jacket itself. Got it. Um which was kind of cool. Oh, um, I and I think for the CD, we just did like four different digis. I think mm-hmm. the CD wasn't as like involved. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's a trip. I mean, I feel thankful and fortunate. Um, you know, I'm by no means any more talented or different from the folks that I work with. It was just kind of like right place, the right time. And um, Mm-hmm. I've actually over the last couple of years started um I'm on the Grammy committee for like judging and voting on packaging stuff. Oh cool. Which I think I can I think I'm I'm allowed to talk about. Um <laughs> and Jeff Jeff did it for a long time and I've known a few other folks that kind of work in the music industry that do it. Um and that's been kind of a fun like I don't know, inside baseball way of looking at how these things happen and what people are looking for and um Okay. Yeah, it's, it's been kind of uh, a cool experience for sure. Um, Very but, cool. Yeah, I mean, we we went to the Grammys both times. Mm-hmm. Um, one was in New York and one was in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one that we, in New York was one where we won. I think so, too, because I looked it up today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's a cool experience. It's weird for sure. Um, you get to meet some nice folks. And, you know, we got to go to Madison Square Gardens and... Um, you get to see the uh, the televised thing, you know, because there's two different ceremonies. There one, there's one in the middle of the day that has like actually the bulk of the awards, which includes mm-hmm. like packaging awards, and then there's the thing you, that's televised at night that has like the ten main awards, you know, album of the year or whatever, oh, right. with all the performances. Okay. Um, so it's actually two different things, but you get to go to both. It's a long day. It's like an eight, nine hour day. Um, you're and the after exhausted. parties, right? It's like- <laughs> yeah. 
I would like I would like to say we were the kind of people that went to after parties, but we did not. I would probably um, skip it too. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> we were exhausted. <laughs> yeah, um, but being able to see the televised one event is actually pretty cool because they have it's so orchestrated and there's like three or four different stages going at any time and the um, stage productions are all super high high value and then like all the weird stuff you watch them do between commercial breaks and whatever it's oh, super funny cool. um yeah that was a cool experience tv stuff uh, did you re- uh, did you yeah. know the other nominees um or were they there no yeah a lot of folks are end up being there mm-hmm. um but you don't i only the the one that we won we actually tied with uh another group of people whose names I should be able to remember, but I cannot. Um, and I got to meet them because we went backstage at the same time, but anybody else that was there that would have been nominated, it's not like a formal oh. thing and, and meeting anyone. Unfortunately, I, w- yeah. I wish it would be, it would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, you don't really know who else is there. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, it would be fun to have like the de- yeah. all the designers in one area or something. Totally. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Um, um, so that's amazing. Um, what was I going to ask? What, okay. So what is the stuff coming up that you're excited about that you can talk about? I know every time I ask this question, uh, people are like, well, I can't say, <laughs> or what is something, yeah. is there something you can talk about? Yeah. Um, music related or otherwise. You, you said that this will come out in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably mid March. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I should be, I mean, I've been one of the uh, other artists on Sub Pop that I have like a long standing relationship with is this band Bully. Mm-hmm. This woman, Alicia, that's from Nashville, and she's been working on another record that'll come out sometime this year. Um, I assume it'll be announced by the time you air this. And if not, let's cool. keep that in mind. Yeah, she's um, been on Joe's show too, the Tour Story show. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Alicia's good people. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fun to work with always um cool and i mean outside of that like i've i don't know uh i've been staying pretty busy with like just doing stuff for by and by mm-hmm. um and my regular day job <laughs> yeah. with aws um but you know I, I try to stay active in curating events both for by and by and for 35th north like art shows mm-hmm. um which obviously kind of like took a back seat um for the last couple of years yeah. f- for covid reasons um, <laughs> Why? No. but yeah i don't know um but we've you know i've we're on the other side of that obviously and we started we've done a number of events at by and by we'll try to do like kind of small openings with local artists um mm-hmm. 35th north has a, a bit of a, a larger space so we'll do group shows there um mm-hmm. that include artists in the skateboarding world or um otherwise I mean, I guess that's the other thing we haven't really talked about. Like, I do, I do a lot of work in in skateboarding, which is like another industry I'm I'm very fortunate to be um, involved in, and that's always kind of been my like passion freelance side project. In addition to everything else that's going on, mm-hmm. um, like I grew up in a, a very musical household, and I kind of started my career in doing. Um, well, I, I grew up in a very arty and music um centric let's say because mm-hmm. uh, we didn't even get to the mute the music part of like my upbringing oh, i right. guess but um you know and that thankfully enough ended up kind of being turning into a, a career i guess or a job for me with working at sub pop mm-hmm. um 
but over the years I've also become super involved in the skateboarding industry, which is like my other like large personal passion, mm-hmm. something I've been doing since 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all things art related has probably been the most influential, like you said mm-hmm. earlier on me way more than music stuff for sure. Like my interest and involvement in skateboarding has been like probably the um, genesis of the art and artists that I've looked up to or aspired towards. Um, But over the years, thankfully enough, I've been able to like actually be an active artist in that world, which has been super, super fun. It's something I'm really thankful of. Um, Do you still skate? And now all the time I went last night. Oh, good. Good for you. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm about to turn 41, um, which if you had told me when I was 16 that I would still be doing this now, I probably wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm on the young end of like the folks that I go with or oh, um, I know those folks, even a lot of people in <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's turned out to be an activity that if you yeah. want, it can be a, a part of your life for, you know, as long as you're willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, injure, injure, you know. Uh, injuries aside. Yeah, but um, nowadays there's all those yeah, yeah. smooth parks and stuff. It's like you're not you're we're yeah. not skating ditches anymore. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, keep keep it. Yeah, I, what I've always tried to do is like I don't. I'm really wary of like hurting myself yeah. or like you know doing something to my clicking hand, as I like to say. Oh. Um, <laughs> I just I just skate within my abilities. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not never been an adrenaline based person so I'm, right. I'm not like trying to hurt myself really it's more i don't know more of a technical thing i guess but i just don't push it you know yeah um, i mean it depends on your style too if you're if you want to roll mm-hmm. around or if you want to do a bunch of tricks and <laughs> impress all the kids yeah, i don't um, know <laughs> yeah but it yeah it's definitely something that i do uh, multiple times a week um i've got cool. a number of folks that i go with regularly and seattle has a really great skate scene and um a lot of nice parks, a lot of nice places to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, more parks all the time. It's great. Um, I've gotten onto yeah. a skateboard since I was in high school, but um, I did. I think I quit right after high school because I tried to do one of those grinds on the curb where you grind on your trucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we called it cost and grind or something. And uh, we had over waxed, you know, or somebody did. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I landed on. I thought I broke my tailbone. And I immediately. You can always, you can always come back. There's no time like the present. I know. I want to just see how I feel. Just stand on a skateboard, roll around. Also, back then the skateboards were so flimsy, they broke a lot, and so we, like, I didn't have money to always keep buying them. So that was another thing. Um, are they like sturdier now? And we had those tiny little wheels that were way too small. <clears throat> Thankfully, the small wheels have not come back. Good. Trend. Um, the '90s are definitely on trend in all things music and okay. <clears throat> skateboarding and, and art in general. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say quality of materials is is a lot better. But good. Um, well, maybe I'll try yeah. it again. Um, you should. Seattle has like a really. I, I would say Seattle has been like um, a tipping point in like women's skateboarding, um, women in trans skateboarding. Mm, um, very cool. Really, based there's a group here called Skate Like a Girl. It's a nonprofit. Oh yeah, they have chapters all over the country now, but it kind of started here, and they're really focused on um, 
anyone that's interested in skateboarding that's not a dude pretty much yeah. which is great because it was like a male-dominated industry and activity for many many years um i know and the folks that run scale like a girl are just like they realize there's um it was intimidating yeah, it's not it's for everybody you know i wanted to skate more yeah. but it was it was intimidating i felt like i was in the way and especially if we're just, there was no parks in the 90s, so we just would have to go take a big gulp cup and, like, empty out the bottom of a swimming pool, you know, an empty pool or That's terrible transitions. Yeah. We always got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then parking lots, we'd get chased out by random cops. It was a thing. It was actually illegal for a while. Um, and so sure. that's Wait, kind of... did you grow up here? I grew up in Austin, Texas. Uh, okay. So there was, like, <laughs> one old BMX guy that had a ramp in his backyard. <laughs> old, he was probably 35. But... <laughs> But, um, so yeah, there was like one weathered ramp and then like the rest, we just Mm. had to figure it out and we constantly hurting ourselves. My ankle was in an air cast most of high school (laughs) and, but I wanted to do it so bad. I love the videos. I I had the Jason Lee will skate for food shirt. I, Mm -hmm. I just absolutely adored all the culture and the subversive nature of the artwork. Like everything about it was punk rock. It wasn't just saying it was, it was like testing boundaries Mm. and, that's what I loved visually um, about the artwork too. Like, do, did you yeah. have like favorite artists um, or I didn't even know their names? Yeah, I did for sure. I mean, I think, um, I think one, one of the funny things about like kind of both music and skateboarding in my life, like whereas working in music kind of became a career for me, like working on posters or album art, that kind of thing you know, skateboarding was always kind of the activity that um, I like most identified with as an individual, right? Mm-hmm. It's like my parents, um, you know, definitely grew up in a house that always had music playing, always had tons of records around. Um, and I have a lot of a close association with uh, music with my parents. Um, and I think that's kind of like where the, my, my interest in working in that industry came from right but i never really paid as close of attention to album art Mm. as i did to the art and things i saw in the skateboard world on t-shirts or in magazines um on skateboards themselves like i probably couldn't told you a single graphic designer that worked in music until i don't know 20 years ago but i knew like all kinds of folks in the skate industry like who um uh, I mean, I'm definitely uh, a child of 90s skateboarding, so late 90s skateboarding, I will uh-huh. say. Um, and that was kind of when you started seeing a big shift into more graphic stuff. Um, so a fellow named Don Pendleton, who used to do a lot of things mm. for a company called Alien Workshop. Oh, yeah. Joe, Joe Castrucci used to do a lot for a company called Habitat, still does. Um, a fellow named Andy Jenkins, uh, Jeff McFetridge, Evan Hecox, the people that used to do a lot of art for girl and chocolate skateboards. Oh, cool. um, yeah, Jason Margaret Lee's- Kilgallen. Uh-huh. Uh, Jason Lee was on was Stereo. Oh, Stereo, uh, that's for, right. Or that was his company with Chris that's Masters. Right. Their art was also right in that same wheelhouse yeah. for sure. Stereo stuff was always super influential. Uh, really, They were really influenced by Blue Note and jazz stuff. Oh, that's um, right. So, I mean, that's kind of like where it, it sort of all started for me. And then I think it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, when you had that Beautiful Losers book and documentary come out, which was about a lot of those same people. Um, you had like Barry McGee, Spike Jones, Margaret Kilgallen, 
Ed Templeton, a lot of folks that were also coming from skateboarding and mm. a little bit of surf. Um, and the, the, it was those kinds of people. Uh, and I can't, I can't, can't leave out my boy Shepard Ferry. Oh, There's no yeah. designer that came up in the late 90s or early 1000s that didn't like the Obey Giant stuff. Um, oh, okay. But it was th- those people and, and folks like Shepard Ferry were the people that I paid the close, closest attention to and really inspired kind of the work I wanted to do or style of stuff that I was interested in. Wow. That you really yeah. know the, the skate world artists. That's amazing. <laughs> who, who designed the, my fucked t-shirt that got me in trouble in high school? <laughs> Do you know <laughs> I, I would no I don't but some of they're from around here oh, they are. Um, oh, I okay. want to say yeah it's F-U-C-T um, listeners F-U-C-T yeah 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 um, um yeah. I also and used it, to buy yeah. counterfeit blind jeans off the back of a catalog and there you uh, go. I mean honestly you know because we're both children of <laughs> the internet existed but it was not yeah what it is now but I would get the CCF catalogs which is a old skateboarding mail order mm-hmm. catalog in the mail in high school. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like looking through um, a book of art and that kind of stuff. Um, and it was something you would just get in the mail. And I don't know. Um, I poured over those things, you know, for days, just looking at the stuff that was in there. It's so yeah. great. It's so amazing what yeah. you can do. And like now you're part of that league, you know, and you're part of the history and the, that's amazing. It's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I feel, I feel very fortunate in that. I mean, I've Seattle again, has like a really incredible skateboarding scene. Um, and I'm thankful to be a part of that. And I've been able to, um, provide art for shops and board, uh, board companies. I've had a couple of my own, um, and that kind of translating into relationships with folks at companies like Vans or, um, girl and chocolate and companies that are in the industry um, through the connections and people that I made in Seattle. Um, Yeah. The world gets smaller, the older you get, you know, and Mm -hmm. this person knows that person and, you know, it's all about relationships and meeting folks. normally ask about the first record cover you remember but it just seems like you kind of said you didn't grow up in a house do you have an answer for that (laughs) i know i do i do i mean i i grew grew up with music around like i have my yeah like my parents um had tons of records my parents were active music folks i mean my folks are also like um children they're both born in the 50s so they're kind of like children of the 60s and 70s and um we're like i said have arty-ish backgrounds and um, are interested in things like music and art. And my parents had extensive record collections. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think before me, we're, we're folks that actively went out and saw music. I know my dad growing up, like saw tons of Grateful Dead shows. And um, I think that, I think they both saw a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, 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 it's difficult for me to say like, what's the first album cover that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also be the first to attest it. Like my memory isn't always great. Um, but the thing I would say I associate the most with earliest memories of music or the thing that I, things that I hold closest are probably my parents' big star records. Um, 
Big Star was a band from Memphis in the 70s. Um, Alex Chilton. And Alex Chilton yeah. and my parents, like, were... Memphis at that time um, was small. Um, and my parents, before me, waited tables in the handful of bars and restaurants that were in Memphis at the time, um, as did folks that were in the Big Star world or in the Ardent world. Um and they were all in that same age range. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a bartender of this bar that was across the street from Arden, where Big Star recorded a lot of this wow. stuff. And they were all just kind of in that same friend group. Um, so that's, you know, aside from just like my, what I like to call my Memphis heritage, um, Big Star obviously is a big part of that story, but it was also something that was like a part of our family, a part of my parents' lives. Um, and those were people that they spent time with and um were around so that for the first big star record is the number one record that's like the the neon sign speaking of neon i guess um which is actually super cool and we actually went to like big star was a grocery store in memphis and there was one that we would go to uh near my parents first house so i also have that association with it um and then the second one the radio city which was a William Eggleston photo so on the cool. cover. All And th- this kind of stuff I like learned after the fact as an adult mm-hmm. um, where I'm like, Oh, uh, I actually meet William Eggleston later when I'm like in college and was friends with a, a photo guy that worked underneath them. But I wouldn't have known this as a kid. Wow. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff. That's so- but then on the back mm-hmm. is actually a picture of the TGI Fridays, um, <laughs> which was the first, it's one of the first bars in Tennessee to serve alcohol at the time. Or, or in Memphis. And it was TGI Fridays? Weird... It was a TGI Fridays. Yeah, they had like just started um, franchising back then. Whoa. This is in Midtown Memphis um, on Madison. Um, I did not but it know that. Big, <laughs> but be, be, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing here, and someone, should, someone will probably correct me, but um, it was one of the first bars in Memphis to serve alcohol in the 70s. And it was also in that same neighborhood where Arden and these other bars and restaurants where these folks kind of worked and hung out in. Um, but it was the place where like musicians would go hang out cause you could actually buy alcohol. What, so was it um, a, like a dry County or something? What? No, it wasn't a dry County. I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was that you could, it was, I think it was, I think it was alcohol, not like beer and wine. Oh, got it. Like I, hard- can't, I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Hard mm-hmm. liquor. I can't remember the exact story behind it but anyway the back of this is the tj fridays and my parents worked on that tj fridays um (laughs) which is fun yeah that's insane Um, that's so cool and that record's been Uh, um parodied uh at least once that i know of famously by the jacuzzi boys that um oh that's true well they used Well, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, hard of the art release. And we actually used a, was it a different William Eggleston photo that we paid for? for oh, you remember. did it. Okay. Uh, but, it, but yeah, I helped with it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a pur- purposeful homage to oh, that. Yeah. I can't remember. It's beautiful. I can't, and the, uh, can't, the font is gorgeous as well. Glazing. Yeah. Yeah. Jacuzzi boys glazing. glazing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I obviously grew up with like a ton of records and music around the house. And then thankfully my as my parents got older, they gave a lot of it to me. Um, but a lot of stuff like of the seventies, like flying burrito brothers and mm. a lot of pink Floyd records. And, um, I mean, I think, you know, like I've been a lifelong, I'm not ashamed to admit it, pink Floyd fan. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I'm sure that I always noticed like the time and effort that went into 
their covers, specifically like animals um, or um, any of the stuff that hypnosis oh, did. Oh, yeah. Um, but it wasn't until later in life that um, I put a name to that um, or even really thought about like, oh, this was an actual photo shoot mm -hmm. where they had to like fly an inflatable pig over this factory. Like it wasn't just something you did in a computer, you know, um, which is still a trip. To it's think still about crazy. All that. the money, <laughs> yeah. like Storm Thorgerson must have been such a good convincer <laughs> yeah there's the one i'm blanking on the name of the record um where it's just like a, a bunch of beds, beds as far yeah. as the eye can see and you're just like jesus good for you i gotta do a mini app about <laughs> that because i want i want to learn more um but yeah it was uh what's the name of it gosh darn momentary lapse of reason is that the, is that that one yes momentary um, lapse of reason you're right yeah, yeah. um Real beds, not computer beds. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he did a lot of crazy stuff like um, the band UFO. He had this, mm -hmm. I mean, just the photo shoots that took all day and just even not even on yeah. a big scale. Like I, the time that people took for album art and packaging and yeah. It's yeah, different. it's insane. I mean, I think, um, you know, it wasn't until later in life when I started actually working with bands, friends of mine's bands on things like album art and posters that I started paying more active attention to, to what people were doing on the albums that I bought or just in the industry in general. Um, and starting to meet around that time, starting to meet people like Jeff and Dusty, who also are the art directors at Sub Pop or other people just kind of actively working in that industry. Mm -hmm where I started looking at stuff more intently, like thinking about it being designed or what went into it. Um, I feel like I've also, to a certain degree, always just kind of learned by osmosis mm -hmm. and like maybe to my own detriment, don't put the time into learning like how it's done first and just kind of like, I think this is something Jeff used to always say, like build the bicycle as we're riding it or whatever. <laughs> um, so kind of through the process, start paying attention to things and thinking about how it, how it happened, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with a deadline, you have to build it as you write it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think for me, a lot of it came so um, kind of haphazardly or was just like a natural chain of events. Like I was a printmaking student in college. I had some friends in bands in Memphis. Um who were kind enough to let me try printing some posters for them um, and did kept doing that for a while and did it for more bands and local venues and then promoters locally and nationally and then it turning into a career, mm -hmm. I guess. But it wasn't anything I ever really like set out to do that I can remember. Mm -hmm. It just kind of like naturally happened. And, and to be perfectly honest, like I was a printmaking student I had grown up with computers and stuff because my my by that point my dad was already teaching like computer animation and we always had Macs and things in the house mm -hmm. with Photoshop and Illustrator and these kinds of tools on them. But I never took any design classes in school. Mm -hmm. um, but along with my interest in making posters, I kind of just 
started figuring out how to do some of the stuff in Photoshop and Illustrator so I could make screen prints essentially, which I think was timely because obviously at the or not obviously, but at the beginning of the two thousands, this is that was when like the gig posters trend really kicked off and a lot of like minded people were kind of doing that same thing. So I've always been self taught in terms of the tools of the trade. Um, Illustrator is what I primarily use. Um, and I've always just kind of like figured it out as I go along, you know? Um, yeah. I was going to ask uh, your primary tool. You must be a whiz at the pen tool. <laughs> I do. I mean, Illustrator is the one I'm the most confident in. Um, a lot of my art is vector based and that's relates to, because I was trying to do this stuff for posters yeah. and how to learning how to screen print it. So you're naturally like working in solid colors and vectors was the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm pretty proficient in, in Photoshop and kind of most of the Adobe stuff, but Illustrator is my um, weapon of choice for sure. Um, that, and I, you know, over the last couple of years, I've definitely gotten on the trend with Procreate and iPads and figuring out how to work that into the stuff I want to do or the stuff that I am doing. Um, but yeah. And, and now actually Fig, Figma with at AWS, we're like big into Figma. So yeah. I'm really trying to figure that stuff out. Good for out. teamwork, um, right? It's super, it's super rep. Like you can just, yeah, do stuff together yeah. and you don't have to download a file and it lives on the cloud and yeah. you can do like a lot of cool stuff with it. Um, the bummer thing yeah. about Procreate is it's not vector. I know. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> you just have to make your file huge, but um, it's yeah. good for uh, creating texture. I mean, if you want to add it's that fun. element, I mean, but yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've found just some different things to do with it. I've started doing these like rotoscope animations in it. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. Of like, yeah, skateboarding stuff. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of like adult coloring. Like I'll do it in front of the TV um, or when I'm on break between things and because you're kind of just like tracing over an image. Do you and it's create just like the med meditative? It is. It's Zen. But can you? Do you do? Okay. What about the pre work? Okay, that you put into it. So, if I wanted to do a rotoscope, sorry, I'm like <laughs> trying to get answers no, about. Good. Do you, um, do you take screenshots of the frames from the video, or can you put a video into Procreate? You. You might be able to put one into Procreate. I don't know. I've never tried. Okay. Um, and again, this is me learning just haphazardly. I did figure out that you can uh, open a video file in Photoshop mm. and export it as frames. And you can choose okay. um, like frames per second, which is kind of an important factor when you're doing rotoscope. 12, I do 12. Uh, the more uh, I've been, yeah, I've been doing like 10, 11, 12, yeah. somewhere around there. And then you export those JPEGs and then I just airdrop them to my Otherwise iPad. your hand's uh, going to yeah. fall off. Cause <laughs> yeah. And you can do less too. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I figured out. Um, Thank you. So that's kind of fun. And you know, when I, when I got uh, the, my iPad first iPad pro and got procreate, I was really curious because you know, on social, you see everyone's doing it now and everyone's incredibly talented and, mm -hmm everyone's a really great illustrator because I think this tool is um, so ubiquitous, mm -hmm. but I quickly found like when I was playing with it, it was so different from what I was used to doing in illustrator. Um, you know, I was trying to make some sort of graphic or image similar to what I would normally do on the computer. And it was taking me seven times as long. 
And so I kind of just like put it down for a while. I was like, this is stupid. Um, this is just too slow. Mm-hmm. And then kind of over the years um, have found ways to work it into my workflow. Um, like I, I did a poster for uh, the Seahawks earlier this oh, yeah. year. And that was one of the first, first, I did all that in Procreate, except for the text. Oh, you did? Um, I, yeah, the, the final, yeah. Um, good. Thanks. And that was kind of a fun fun first i've done a few illustration projects uh for fortnite for that video oh, the video yeah. game um and i've incorporated in some textures or um treatments in procreate to something i start you know in illustrator or maybe even finish into um it kind of runs the gamut but i found little ways to kind of add it in you know yeah um, and i but i wish yeah. it had like does it have pathfinder i want to expand appearance i want to do things that I just want to sit at my computer yeah. again. It's, I, it's frustrating I if I try to do the wrong thing in Procreate, I think. It's, de- it's yeah, the learning curve is definitely, for me, has been steep. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's been helpful to kind of like really just try to do, treat it as its own thing. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I have done sometimes actually is you can uh, mirror the screen onto your iPad and then I'll just like draw straight into Illustrator right. sometimes, like with the blob tool or something like that. Yeah. And I know that there is now a, a better version of Illustrator for the iPad. I just haven't gotten it. Um, oh. But yeah, but I will say like over the last couple of years, since we started working at home more, mm-hmm. I've really switched from listening to music during the day to like, I'll just have, you know, my iPad or another screen over here playing. I'm rewatching all of the Sopranos or the office or movies or whatever. Like it's sometimes it's easier for me to focus if I have a TV show or movies playing in the background, than uh, music or a podcast, um, yeah. which is kind of, kind of strange, but it's been a fun way to kind of like revisit things. It's harder if I'm trying to watch something I'm not familiar with, but if it's something I like see. the office or whatever I've seen, you know, it's a, it's, you don't have to pay as close attention. Totally. It almost becomes um, like that Rocky yeah. Erickson thing where he just needs to have certain layers of sounds happening or whatever. Like, and it's For nothing sure. that yeah. you're discovering. Your brain already recognizes it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's um, funny. So you don't listen to music at all when you work? No, no I'm not saying not at okay. all, but not as much as I used to. Okay. Um, no, I still do. My, my, my favorite stuff to turn on when I'm like really having focus time. Um, I've always been like a avid playlist maker. Even I still have burned CDs from the early thousands or iPod was always playlists. Um, and so now obviously you do that on Spotify. So I'll just make like a 12 hour playlist of stuff I can just put on and put on shuffle and not have to, you know, worry about, um, a lot of my like favorite focus music is um, pretty. Some of it I combine naturally. Some of it is direct result of sharing an office with Jeff Kleinsmith for 13 years. Um, so there's a lot of like Tool, uh, a lot of Pink Floyd, a lot of very long songs. Like the one of the playlists I play the most for focus time is songs that are like seven minutes or longer, um, which includes everything from like Miles Davis to an live Almond Brothers to Outcast. Tool. There's some, there's uh, a couple of, I was listening to it today. Uh, 
yeah yeah um so like that i've always been a sucker for long stuff but especially like instrumentally stuff um whereas i don't i don't listen to it anymore but like godspeed you black emperor oh, i think was kind of like good. my gate, gate gateway drug into it now I, I look for stuff that's a little more upbeat um or faster than that um but and that's where kind of like some of the miles davis stuff plays in or um even allman brothers but um it kind of runs the gamut, but really like kind of longer stuff that you can kind of get into mentally um, is my is my go-to for um, focus time music, I would say. Jeff at Sub Pop is like he we always played albums. So it's something yes. that he was adamant about. Um and I'm not opposed to either. Um and I really enjoy that. But I find in like my own personal practice, I I really listen to like an album. Mm-hmm. Um to always playlists. Um I don't know why that is. Because um, it's intended that way, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I was listening to the new um speaking of Jeff, I was listening to the new King Tough earlier and Mm. that for some reason and youtube went into meditation music probably because of my algorithm Mm. and i Mm -hmm. i just thought like is this still king tough because i was on a different screen i don't Mm -hmm. know but it really like just i I was convinced that he was taking a new path at the end of the record (laughs) hey meditation's on trend put me in a zone Um. (laughs) but um yeah i'm gonna link off to a bunch of the stuff we talked about um Sure. Thank you so much for I, we're over time. Um, I appreciate you okay. taking time um, to speak with me, and I feel like we barely scratched the surface because you've done so much. But <laughs> I'll definitely like tell my listeners where to find all your stuff. Um, I guess. Ooh, um, or your website. <laughs> you want my home address? Yes, um, all your stuff. <laughs> um, Ballard, Washington. Um, yeah, I mean my. Uh, Personal URL is this is the new year, which is maybe unabashedly a Death Cab for Cutie reference I made 17 years ago, 16 years ago that I just haven't changed um, <laughs> for one reason or another. Um, and then my Instagram is just my name, Sasha Bar. Um, I got less tricky with that one. Um, so cool. But that's it, really. I don't do I don't do Twitter. I don't do TikTok. I, one social media is enough for me. Um, yeah, that's yeah. the visual one. That's all <laughs> we need, right? Yay! All right, thank you so much, Sasha. Have a good day and skate yeah. tough. <laughs> thank you. I, thanks for the time and, and thanks for asking me for sure. I appreciate it. Of course, anytime. <laughs> all right, bye. All right, thank you. Bye. bye.